Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Series 3 of the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour, our deep dive into selected movies of special significance, what they meant to us then, and what they mean to us now. I'm your host, Jason Rutledge. So this is the first episode we actually recorded for Series 3, and it was under some slightly weird circumstances for us. Uh, We were all still recording remotely, of course, to be safe, but I had actually managed to contract COVID and was under quarantine for the recording of this episode and one other one down the line. So if I sound a little more out of it than I usually do for, say, the first four or five episodes of the series, just keep that in mind. Joe, Katie, Nathan, and I are discussing Fritz the Cat in this episode. It is our first animated film we've taken on, and it's one of the more important animated movies of our modern time. It was huge back in its day. It's not as well known now for various reasons, one of which being that it is 90 solid minutes of offensive material and trigger warnings. As such, we will be talking about those things on this episode, so please keep that in mind as we move forward. That said, it's time to get on with the show. But first, we gotta find Fritz. Has anyone seen Fritz? Suddenly it's all very clear. I must tell the people about the revolution. Huh? Revolt! Revolt! Damn you, what the hell you jabbering about now? There's highly complicated wires and shit going on over here. I thought you were wearing a referee shirt, Jason. No, no, this is my Sriracha shirt. Gotcha. No. So I was gonna go with the gambler with James Caan. It kinda looked like that artwork. I was just gonna say Footlocker. Hmm. Okay. Also with James Caan. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, 1934, at the age of 33, Walt Disney began production on his company's first ever feature-length animated movie, a project that everybody in the company, including his brother, was certain was going to fail. I mean, cartoons are supposed to be short and funny, and they're only shown in the theater before the actual movie gets started. After three years in production, Disney released Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and its success changed everybody's ideas about what could be done with an animated movie. And also, for better or worse, uh, started the Disney Company's decades-long march of dominance in the animated movie genre. Then in 1968, at the age of 30, Ralph Bakshi left the animated division of Paramount Pictures to create Bakshi Studios to so he could get out from corporate control and make his own stuff. 1972, the company released its first ever animated feature film, which, like Snow White, so many decades before, would change the genre, proving that animation didn't have to be silly kid stuff to be enormously successful. That movie was Fritz the Cat. It's the movie we're talking about today. Welcome back, everybody, to the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour, coming to you from Old East Dallas. And this is a weird one. I mean, I was familiar with the movie. I think, Nathan, you were familiar with it. Katie, I think you told me you had never seen this before. I hadn't seen it, but I was familiar with the title. And Joe, you told me that you had kind of avoided it, avoided seeing it because of the way Robert Crumb reacted to it or his mm-hmm. opinions of it. Now, I've heard Bakshi's side of the story, but what was Crumb's deal as far as uh, you know? As far as I know, he just wasn't, had no interest in it. He, he had no interest in it. He didn't want to see it happen. Hmm. And that was kind of it. And I know Bakshi 
had said like Crumb wanted full credit on mm-hmm. on on the film or something like that. I don't know, but that seemed kind of yeah. Back back, she was like he seemed to think the Crumb's problem was that he didn't have full control over the project, which was absurd. He was never going to get that. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a problem taking the money, but he did resist signing on to it. I think it was I think it was wife signed up for it for yeah. him or something like that because she had uh, control over him i guess the story over how this movie came works. together is very loose depending on who you ask it's like nobody really you can't even get a budget nailed down for what this thing cost to make well the other thing that bakshi has said that he showed crumb his drawings kind of giving him an idea of how he would interpret his character on screen and robert crumb was okay with it and basically gave him a sketchbook uh, as a reference. And he actually stayed with him and his wife for like a week at his house <laughs> or something or apartment. I don't know. But there was like there was some kind of cordial agreement prior to production. And Warner Brothers was involved at one point, but they wanted to dumb everything down and make it like. No, not Warner Brothers. But they came on board in 1970. And then Baxi's like, I'm not going to do that. So they backed out. and. Funding went elsewhere, but through Steve Krantz, Yeah, this basically. went through Steve Krantz Productions, yeah. Yeah. As far as I know. When I mentioned in the intro that it was enormously successful, I was not kidding. This thing, depending on who you ask, cost about a million dollars to make. It made $25 million in the U.S., $90 million worldwide. And of which, I think Bakshi and Prum each got 5% of the $25 million domestic, so they didn't do too bad on this, which is True. why I suggested... Crumb may not have had as much of a problem after it came out as he did before, but it's hard to say. Well, he he certainly doesn't uh, isn't isn't worried about you know sounding like he's bitter about it. <laughs> he he might he might smile at the checks, but he's also like sure. rrr, rrr, rrr. I'm grumpy well, it's, it's about his, this. His baby, you know. So was I don't it? think he was interested in doing movies anyway. Was he ever? Or I don't is that think like so. selling not out? that I know of. I think his big complaint with the final product was it was, which was weird coming from him, that it was just uh, uh, a whole bunch of uh, hippie drug shit. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, it's one thing Bakshi mentioned was uh, that Crumb did have a real problem with that he felt like they were making fun of leftist politics and that movement and portraying it as this completely ridiculous, like, drug-fueled scam. I don't know if scam is the right word for it. I found it mostly boring. <laughs> well, there's very little going on in the film. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. a sensorial experience, really, if you think about it. And it definitely um, feels like it exists to be shocking and nothing more than that. Oh, sure. They did. Yeah, like, clearly, the there's ratings. commentary there. But like you yeah. said, whether or not they're poking fun at that or perpetuating it isn't overly clear in the films. Yeah. Well, one part we get at the, at the beginning here that I think think illustrates this. My soul is tormented. Gee. Oh, no. I've been up and down the four corners of this big old world. I've seen it all. I've done it all. Gee. Oh, wow. I've fought many a good man. I've laid many a good woman. I've had riches and fame and adventure. I've stood face to face with danger and death countless times. Hey, why, why, are I, you I... somebody famous? I think I saw you in a movie once. Hey, try not to interrupt, huh? 
I've tasted life to the fullest and still my soul cries out. Yes, cries out in its hungry, tortured, racked quest. Look at the good More. part of life. Things aren't all bad. Gee, he's handsome. You. You can help me. You must save me. But by so doing, you too will be saved. Well, I, I'd like to, but what can I do? <laughs> lovely set of eyes there. Ah, little sweet one with your heart of gold. I know of a place where we can be alone Gee, to join our souls in sacred truth. Yeah, so Fritz's whole tormented soul shtick is to pick up chicks. Come on. Well, yeah, it's the, the performative <laughs> nature of men to get women. That's even shown with them playing guitars when the women oh, yeah. first walk by in the beginning. And that's his, his soliloquy at the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. It comes back at the end, sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with the Fritz the Cat comics to know if this has any relation to how those were written at all. Has anybody seen those or is familiar mm-hmm. with them? Or Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to yes and no just because they're, they're both chaos. Mm. So, I mean, I think that there's a, a good bit of what is Fritz the Cat in both versions, but they're both different versions, if that makes sense. You think it's like uh, it couldn't be translated to film necessarily? And they had to go their own way with it, maybe? I think mm. I think that it was attempted with this, um, but it wasn't something that, yeah, that necessarily worked. It works as a six-panel strip, but not as a scene, if that... Right. Wasn't this movie just really a whole bunch of Fritz the Cat comics all kind of glued together? That's kind of the impression was it, I got. Or was it just its own beast? I... It, it was mainly its own beast. Yeah. Like, well, that's typically how comic book films are usually approached anyway they'll take like the core premise and then expound upon that to make the feature but what if there was no core premise well there is (laughs) fritz the cat would be the core premise well his core premise was getting laid and doing drugs so there you go they did cover that really well in the movie i felt yeah at least in the first bit (laughs) that came across for sure and that's what got him their x rating well i don't know that they ever aimed for an x rating because who knew at that point they would get well, that. They didn't I mean, want, from well, what they, I read, they didn't want the X rating. Right. But it helped it they, they, in the end, obviously. They didn't want the X because uh, Steve Krantz, the producer, was concerned that it might be misinterpreted as an art film and people would stay away from it. He had no problem with it being interpreted as cartoon animals having sex movie. That wasn't the issue at all. He was cool with that. Yeah. Well, he was looking for exploitation, period, I think. It got the X rating because they claimed that animated animal sex is pornography. Especially the the wording I saw was in human uh, positions. So had it been like normal animal sex, it would have been fine. (laughs) But the fact that it was in human position made it very offensive. But we're already doing doggy style as humans, so what is that? It just made me laugh. Like, in human animals having sex in human position was the issue well that's the mpaa for you they always have to make some crazy rationalization as to why they it does say a lot about the absurdity of our rating system Mm -hmm. this is the angle they took with it and i think it should be noted also that bakshi didn't really want to it's not that he didn't want to do fritz the cat he didn't want this to be his first film he wanted to do heavy traffic right he had already written the script krantz was not interested until they had an established like they took an Character existing or property or something. Yeah, I think. And then he came. Well, I can understand this. that position completely. I mean, you have to yeah, do, you some want bankability. do something. Sure, marketable to get the money in. Yeah, they really to say that heavy traffic would have ever happened if this wasn't as successful mm. as it was. I have a question. 
What is heavy traffic? Obviously, it's another project, but like, is, what is the premise of that? Well, it's more like contemporary, it. but it's um, it's similar. I don't want to say similar. In, it's obviously similar, similar in style to Fritz the Cat. Is it animated um, as well? Yeah. Okay. But the interesting thing is, it's all like live action backdrops. Oh, that's and, cool. Hmm. Well, they yeah. had that a couple times in Fritz the Cat. Yeah, but like the whole thing like, like that like too. That. Yeah. It is. In the case of Fritz the Cat, though, I think it, some of that may have been happening because they had to cut so many corners and do so many things on the cheap to get it in to this budget. Right. But it could have maybe. been what was moving forward because he maybe saw it in this and liked it. You know, we'll never well, know. He was the... experimenting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, obviously, if you watch his Lord of the Rings, I, it, was I have shot, seen those. it was all shot live action. And then he rotoscoped and went back mm -hmm. and painted all the cells separately. Which is fucking so awesome. So he was always trying That's to, how they, to bust Isn't that through. how they made heavy metal also? I think that was all rotoscopes. Some of that, yeah. A lot of it but was. But it's and really, it's far more noticeable in mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings. And it gives this weird otherworldly feel mm -hmm. to it. That, oh, didn't he do American Pop that way also? I don't remember. That has some of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Wizards like that? No. no I think Wizards, Wizards was very it's been a while since I've watched Wizards, <laughs> but I feel like that was just a straightforward animated film. Yeah. Kind of like Hey Good Looking was and some of his other ones. Oh, it, okay, Fire I was getting ready to bring up Cool World, and he did direct yeah. that, so never mind. Yep. Sure. <laughs> Ralph Bakshi has somehow managed to get job after job after job, even though he is really wanting to push the envelope on everything he's worked on. I mean, even the new adventures of Mighty Mouse, he couldn't help himself. Yeah, I don't that think the controversy too. about the whole flower power thing was warranted. I thought it was blown up more than it ever should have been, but I do not do have, have a clip, clip of that, no. <laughs> I haven't seen any of that, so the I The thing no with idea. his stuff that I've noticed, though, is none of it's ever really mm. hated or super lauded for, but it's it's... It's liked enough that it makes sense that he continues to, or continued to yeah. make things. They always seem yeah. to be yeah. like, oh, that was good. The end. Like, Well, he was a trendsetter, too. <laughs> so whether you like the film or not, he was busting down boundaries in terms of animation. I always animation. thought of him, and I think he may have tried, intentionally tried to position himself as sort of the, this shadow Disney. He did not like Disney at all. No. I don't blame him. Well, no, but even that's the funny thing is like, we're talking 40 years ago, 50 sure. years ago. Well, it just makes you wonder if that weird underlying money hungry was then as well. You know what I mean? Like, it makes you wonder if some of the people, the, the things that people take issue with Disney today were also going on back then. Not really, though, okay. because they were like a fledgling studio throughout the 70s. Disney was and a their very live action films then. were far more successful. Yeah, racism was way more accepted. Dumbo. <laughs> yeah, but Disney was maybe, they had the TV show and they were putting out maybe four movies a year at the most. And that, that's it. That's all Disney was doing. They had the two theme parks. Walt Disney had died. I think he was 56 years old. Or, no, he wasn't 56. Something like that. He died in the middle of masterminding Epcot Center sometime in the mid-60s, I think. Well, Epcot By the way, if you ever get to a chance to like 82, though. Is that accurate? If you a chance to watch the documentary Defunct Land did on Disney's original vision for Epcot, it is thrilling and absolutely horrifying at the same time. Strongly recommend watching it because the guy was losing his mind at the time. Bakshi's problem with Disney, as far as I can tell, is he felt they weren't being socially responsible for some reason. That his, I think the quote was, 
how can people draw butterflies all day when we're dropping bombs on people? But what was he expecting? I mean, Disney, for all their flaws, really builds and protects their brand. You know what you're getting in a Disney movie. You're not going to take the kids to see the Aristocats and they're going to suddenly bust into a song about the My Lai Massacre. The cat from outer space is not, is not going to give a whole speech about the horrible things he saw in Cambodia under the Khmer Rouge. It's just, that's not what Disney does. But didn't Disney do propaganda stuff? Mm, I don't if know. they did, it was World War II. There's a lot if of rumors did. about Walt Disney. I mean... Well, the thing is, sure. is it's hard yeah. to know what is fact and what isn't. Right. Because people... <laughs> But my, I mean, my. yeah, does that, yeah. that movie exist anymore, Joe? What's that? I don't think mm-hmm. that movie exists. It's on Laserdisc, Nathan. I see. In Japan. Okay, I'm not kidding. And I don't search for it. I don't care like about it at all. But in yeah. uh, on the Facebook Marketbook Marketplace feeds there, I'll every once in a while see an ad for a bootleg Blu-ray of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wow. They've been himself. bootlegging that for, yeah, 30 years. I'm like, well, can, can I, we get the day the clown cried? Uh, I try to tell people now about Song of the South and they don't believe me. It's like, just read the summary of the plot. Mm-hmm. Small child walks away from his house without telling his parents where he's going, goes off into the woods and agrees to go home with the first old stranger he meets. Good job, Disney. Off to a great start. And that's not even getting into all the other problems. No, with but still, I... The point is, I don't know how Bakshi would expect Disney to do anything adult-oriented. They didn't even get into PG movies until, what, The Black Hole, 1979 or something? What about, like, Jodie Foster's films? Like, Freaky Friday, was that PG or was that G? I mean, I don't know. Some of the live-action stuff might be PG. I don't know. I don't remember. But yeah, I remember Black Hole being a bigger deal. Yeah. I can see both sides to it, because if you do have a platform that clearly Disney was gaining, you can make commentary without it being brash and inappropriate for, you know what I mean? Because there are so many things that are in Disney stuff that isn't kid oriented, but it's still there that his complaints with it being absent from it, it could have been there without it bashing you over the head or being inappropriate for children. Well, I think also Bakshi was very anti-establishment. And Disney was like probably the biggest corporation in his world that Mm -hmm. he would want to be against. But also Disney's there for escapism. They're not going to do social commentary generally. You know, you want to go to the movies for escape. No, I get that. For that comment about during Vietnam, like why would you want to go see a movie about Vietnam while it's (laughs) happening? I mean, a lot of people wanted escape from that because they saw it every day on television. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, if anybody listening to this thinks that maybe Bakshi wasn't so strong on Disney, there is a bit in Fritz the Cat when the jet fighters are flying in to drop bombs on New York, and you see that silhouette of Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse cheering them on. Yeah. That's not an accident. And Donald Duck. And Donald, yeah. Yeah. And, Donald oh, God, yeah, yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. And Donald. But with Disney not doing this kind of stuff, didn't that sort of leave the door open for Bakshi to do whatever he wanted to, give him the breathing room to, to do it without any kind of competition? Sure. But also to do any kind of movies like Lord of the Rings or any of that stuff, Mm -hmm. whether it's X-rated or PG or whatever, he was doing stuff no one else was doing. And he clearly had his own foothold on that sort of... He said said and X-rated things. But I'm saying the point is he, I think he worked his way back and forth easily between R-rated films like American Pop and Hey Good Looking to PG stuff like Fire and Ice. So that wasn't an issue for him. And he had no boundaries. And it's kind of like... He could reel it in. Like, uh, the only other person out there really was 
doing a whole hell of a lot was probably Don Bluth at that time. But he was even he wasn't oh, even yeah. as established. I mean, he did the little scene in Xanadu, and then did Secret of Nim onward. But he was very he was like a lesser Disney, really, because he didn't. I really think he's the better Disney. Test anyone's. Did Secret of Nim do well yeah, uh, on its release? I believe so because I remember. I remember it being, it being a big deal. Kind of big deal but... Yeah, I remember it being a big deal, but that like it being a big deal as a kid, you don't really. It's not you know equated to was it a huge financial success like of oh, course yeah. it's got its staying power that's what i was more curious about like mm-hmm. fritz the cat does 100 million what did secret of nim do just kind of curious about that i'm doubting it was 100 million oh yeah but you remember something like that and you're like man that movie was huge everybody was all over everybody watched it but that doesn't mean it could have been like well i saw it four years after it was mm-hmm. had its theatrical run yeah because you know mm-hmm. home video or whatever well, HBO that's just probably. it, too, is it like was, video, the video boom doesn't equate to what it did in the theaters. So I saw it on video and then cable, right. you know, I think most kids probably did. I don't remember Fritz the Cat having a particularly huge video release. In yeah. fact, I think most of them dunked into the, the, into the kids' right movie bin by accident because they saw a cartoon on it and just yeah, I saw the rest yeah. of the stuff. I saw a few reviews that were like, um, this was in the kids section and I watched it and I didn't tell anybody because I figured people needed to learn the way that I learned. And it's like, see, see I have a strange feeling that Bakshi himself (laughs) probably loved that. Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean, look at it. It's Warner brothers in a clamshell. They were doing clamshells at the time. Who else does clamshells on VHS? There you go. And, and Warner brothers was doing other cartoons like that too, like episodes were in the clamshell like that in that yeah oh yeah way that's true so it could have easily been well let's get this and that yeah they could get the bugs bunny oh, Road oh, wait no movie. no johnny put yeah. put coonskin back we don't need to watch coonskin this weekend <laughs> they did, warner brothers didn't put that one out <laughs> i think academy entertainment put that one out under street fight mm. so. better title yeah <laughs> just complete what a title. It happens. It happens. Shut us down. Could you imagine? That's the that's the front page of the script. Well, it's got Scatman Brothers. <laughs> so if you love Hong Kong Fooey, I do. That's, oh. Is that what they're putting on the box? If you loved Hong Kong Fooey, that's what I would put on the box. <laughs> if you love Hanna Barbera, you'll love Coonskin. Yeah. From the creator of Coonskin comes Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Well, <laughs> That's a really, but it, it's such a contrast, though. I just feel like we shouldn't even be saying the stupid title of this movie. Like... <laughs> Street fight. Street fight. Street fight. Street fight. What? Street when fight. did the street title fight. of it get changed? No, no, no. Street, that's a different movie. Fight. That's totally oh, different. I was like... <laughs> it's Melissa Leo. Sister Street Fight? Oh, I love this review for that film. The, the first words of this review are, Sure, this flick is very racist in content, but it's very entertaining if you give it a chance. Wow. Just, yeah. Well, that is something about Fritz the Cat, is there is something in there to offend absolutely anybody who watches this. Yeah. Well, let's anybody. say it about anything these days. I just... It, it's interesting to me that this creative has such a backlog of content broaching the topics that he broaches, and he's a white man. I definitely Who felt that about? watching Fritz the Cat. Um, talking about Crumb? Whatever his name is. No. Um, <laughs> Bakshi? Bakshi. 
Mm. Rough Bexy. <laughs> have you read any Crumb? Yeah. No. It's nothing compared oh, to Oh, my. No, I'm kind of glad I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> like, I d- I'm not as familiar with Crumb stuff as I should be. Advertisements but, yeah. for uh, cans of old mm, hearts. Didn't Crumb stuff get increasingly Weirder. weirder and more violent the more he went on? I don't know. I remember I mean, hearing that somewhere. Uh, I mean, just I mainly in his in 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 the the Height Street drug days, the, there mm. was always the the weird stuff there. And then, like, if he got angry with a certain thing, like with Fritz the Cat, he killed About Fritz the, the Cat in the comic. Yeah, um, in hopes because to he was not pissed perpetuate off. sequels for the film. And then they come yeah, out with the nine yeah. lives of Fritz mm-hmm. the Cat, yeah. <laughs> which I actually I which is pretty the fucking sequel. hilarious. I think it's um, got a much better storyline. And it's not Ralph Bakshi. He didn't want to do it. But Steve Krantz wanted to do yeah. it. And he hooked up with is it Robert Taylor, who had worked with Bakshi at Terry Tunes. And they worked on the Mighty Heroes together, which is a great series if you ever watch that. Oh, so that yeah. was smart. He knew who to go for. And it's it's a fun movie. And it's got a great soundtrack. And it's much easier to watch, I think. Does it have less weird animal nudity, though? I think it's less sexually focused, for sure. Like, it's about his escapades. That wouldn't be hard to do. Like, yeah, at one at point, he's like, <laughs> Fritz has joined the Nazi regime, but the only reason why is he wants to get laid. <laughs> and he's like, fuck this shit. <laughs> I don't even care about the cause. And it's well, that stupid, ridiculous episodes the throughout. the first one. The Nazi regime? Well. Well, you get a this... Hitler cat in Nine Lives. Mm. So that's pretty funny on its own. He's only got one ball. Oh. So. Well, yeah, because you Good definitely... Uh, I saw all sorts of uh, animal genitalia that I was not expecting this morning. Well, that's your fault. Yeah, but isn't it weird that Fritz doesn't showcase his... You were asking for later? it, Katie. <laughs> what was that, Nathan? Told you, Jason's like, going to blow his head like, off. Through the, the whole episode. first half of the movie, you don't see anything on him. And he's, he's know, banging and all this pussy. And it was pussy. very surprising when you did... Because it was in the sense of like making the, uh, fun the, of him for being the small. The very opening <laughs> is uh, is the the animal getting up and pissing off the side of the building. Yeah, but we're not talking about Fritz. specifically Fritz, Fritz the oh, cat's okay, yeah. penis. The, the thing that kind of appears and disappears. And... That'll be a good bite for you know a preview or something. Well, what's cool about Fritz the cat is it kind of inspired all these X-rated animated comedies during the 70s like uh down and dirty duck that roger corman produced kind of fun mm-hmm. with flo and eddie do you not know that one do you think this perpetuated no. us getting <laughs> weird duck boobs and howard the duck no doubt about no it. no there's only one it's just the duck and he's dealing with all these humans the, i mean the comic itself had that the yeah. the comic had nudity yeah, the, but they just look the very similar to the animated cat, dog, and rabbit breasts that were in this film. They're just globes, lady. <laughs> like, there's not much you can do with it. <laughs> like, with that, like, I, I, could you imagine? Like, if they, if they did, like, do anything, uh, with, with the breasts of the animals in, in the cartoon, where like they just got some saggers hanging down and flip-flopping all over the place. I don't know where I'm going with this. I had a red bull. I don't either. <laughs> oh, I think you've gone there, Joe. I think you've gone. Have any of you seen Shame of the Jungle? No. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. The X-rated Tarzoon slash Tarzan comic that uh, oh. Ann Beats and Michael O'Donohue had to pass on. It's a French That's film, fine. and they rewrote it for the American market. And John Belushi, Bill Murray... Christopher Guest, Brian Doyle Murray, they're all 
all doing voices on it. It was all the National Lampoon guys got involved in it. Pretty much, but it was post-SNL. So it was like 78 when they did it. But also it's got uh, Johnny Weissmuller Jr. as the voice of Tarzoon. So that's kind of cool. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. It's also called... Making his dad proud. It has the best title in the UK, Jungle Burger. That's a great Jungle title. Jungle Burger. Come on. Sounds like the sequel to... Uh, yeah. I don't, never mind, I forgot the title I was going to go with. You were thinking of Good Burger. Yes, thank that you. That's be, exactly well, what I was thinking of. Already taken. I don't know how to segue into this clip now. It, what is it about? I can help. You can see it. Is it about the cops? I see cops back there. Yeah, yeah this is the bit where eggs. Fritz, in his uh, delusion of thinking he knows what he's talking about, accidentally starts a riot. Did you notice the names of the, the, the pigs? Yeah, it's after uh, the director and... Robert Rump. and Ralph? Oh. Yeah. Segway! Oh, shit. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think more so than the uh, animal pornography, this is the kind of stuff Crumb may have been having a problem with, the political angles that were being taken or way it was being presented. Fritz starts some shit. Revolt! Revolt! Revolt, you thick-skulled idiots! You have carried heavy burdens for the bosses! You have sweat your lives away for the bosses! The bosses, they ride around in limousines. Get the fuck off my the bosses, car! they're eating strawberries and cream. <laughs> that funny cat's a real boss. <laughs> All right, what's going on here? Break it up. Cool it, officer. You just blowing hot air. No one's paying no mind. Come to revolution, there are gonna be no more limousines. Come to revolution, there are gonna be no more strawberries and cream, see? <laughs> hey, Ralph, you know how these dumb kids are. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, fucking A, right. There he is. He's the one who keeps the bosses in power. He's the one who's holding you down. Who, me? You. No, no, not me, you. Not you. Not me, you. You, you, you. Me? Not me. Yeah, you. You. Fuck you. You first. The spiked boot of capitalism. The iron thumb on the heads of the proletariat. That's right, kids. Under communism, there's no strawberries. Or cream. Or sweet limousines. This is the point where the movie takes a pretty dramatically dark turn. I, I think it's been dark the whole time. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it gets darker, but it starts out not like a lighthearted film. His buddy gets shot. We get that great animated sequence of the pool balls dropping into the pockets one after another. Maybe it goes on a little bit long. The heartbeats. Yeah, great stuff. And the movie just never so I have really... A question. I don't think it really recovers from him. Was he meant to be assaulting the woman in the church, the synagogue? Because she's yelling at the cop, oh, oh my God, thank you, thank you, you, you saved me. The film's I been mean, dark the, from the get-go. <laughs> the bit at the beginning? Um, I don't know. I'm not talking about the horse. I'm talking about the woman that's in oh. the bathroom of the synagogue because he ends up in the ladies' room. And when he pulls mm -hmm. Fritz out of there, her top is ripped off. And he's gripping both pieces of her shirt in his hand. And the woman is like, oh, my God, thank you. You saved me. You saved me. I don't I don't know if they were implying anything in particular there, but I possibly I mean, it's <laughs> not, definitely at the end. I mean, that that's hard to watch. Well, yeah, the end is not. Yeah. And I don't think that Fritz really had any redeeming qualities. So we weren't rooting for him before he assaulted the woman. 
and you know right. certainly I mean, weren't he stands after. up for the woman in the end he was like hey guys don't be doing Does this you shouldn't be doing this he's doing it for Does his own personal he says those words i mean well he he expresses it verbally whether he acts on it or not put it that way he does the absolute minimum yes mm-hmm. bare minimum <laughs> yeah oh wow what a great guy he didn't slugger oh i know yeah. i'm not defending him <laughs> for the love no, of god i'm not saying you are i'm just saying like everybody <laughs> else is beating the shit out of her he's the only one that's not what a wonder what a prince yeah you know? yeah but we're looking at potential growth of the character is what she i think is what she's trying to say here does he grow throughout the film yeah because if he yeah no does he, he become mimics. a better cat potential i guess you could say because at the end of this movie when he finally has to i would say put up or shut up when it comes to are you going to do this or not are you going to shove dynamite into the power plant or not he bugs out are you shitting me the hell is that i don't know if you can hear that but my neighbors have been fucking hanging things for like three oh, I weeks thought you were say they were fucking okay like damn you know no, they're hanging something every sunday i go through this so I completely forgot about that. that so if you can day. hear it. So I don't think he really Are grows at all since it, with his his speech at the beginning to to get laid, and then he mm-hmm. uses the same speech at the end. I think that's kind of showing you like there's no growth for his character. He hasn't changed. He's still using the same shtick to get what he wants, and it's just that. Yeah. The fact that he didn't that he he took off and you know, didn't do the bomb and all that stuff. It just, he just realized that he wanted to. But he did. He goes through everything. He plants the bomb and then suddenly says, wait a minute, I don't want to do this. Well, too late. Yeah, that, that was probably the one time that he sobered up. And I guess maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's, that's that was. where Crumb had the problem that he did. Yeah. And he, was, he, he wasn't high anymore. Was Crumb's issue with it that Fritz didn't follow through? Or was that a part of it? I don't really know. Oh, I have no idea. I don't think that he had an objection to I certain think... things in the story. He just didn't give a shit about it being made. You know what I mean? Like, as a whole, he didn't appreciate it, probably. Well, it definitely isn't succinct in what it's trying to say. Because, like Jason said earlier, it could be poking fun at, uh, for lack of a better word, left-leaning views on what was going on. Or is it is it taking a stance and saying, hey, these are the problems. There is no real way to tell if it's a mockery or if it Mm. is it's taking a stance in what it believes so i don't know how his comic strips were and what he like did he put what he believed in them and if that was the case then i could see his issue with the fact that it is very up in the air what the intent for this film was i think with crumb a lot of his uh biographical work was not necessarily grounded in reality, but he had something to say with it. And he had mm-hmm. his, his viewpoint there. But with stuff like Fritz and um, I can't remember her name, uh, Angel Food McSpade and other characters of that era were very like, it, it was not just a product of the time, but it was a product of his, his mind, uh, you know, doing all the drugs and everything like that. So it wasn't really a, a political view or his belief structure. It was just like, shit that came out mm. that just uh, that he vomited no, I get what out. you're saying but it still could have not been what he wanted it to be portrayed how he wanted it to be portrayed because mm. it's one thing if it's your idea and it's coming from you if somebody else is taking that idea and then maybe putting it out in a way that you don't feel as if it's being represented then i could understand having an issue with that 
I, I honestly don't think he did. I don't think he gave a shit about uh, Fritz as a whole. Well, just a couple of the things that I had read, it, it did seem like he did take issue with it. But it never really explained why. And then when Jason said the bit earlier about if it was a mockery or not, you know, mm. I don't know. He may have been taking issue with it just to take issue with it and be that guy. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It was just one more Wasn't thing. There, supposed like, to be a, there uh, was the keep on trucking. There was the Joplin. Uh, what was it? Uh, Big oh, Brother album cover. Like yeah. that was just on his list of things like this is what big corporations took from me and paid me very little and I'm going to complain. I'm going to complain all the way back to my French villa. Well, at that <laughs> he he paid for that by uh he sold a guy like all of his uh sketchbooks. Oh wow. Like 20 or 30 years worth of sketchbooks. There you go and the guy published some. I have a bunch on my shelf. They're amazing. Um but that's that's how they moved. Wasn't there supposed to be a movie version of Mr. Natural at one point? Oh, I'm sure. Mr. B natural. I mean, I know there. I know there's supposed to be a movie version of everything at some point. Yeah, it was uh, with Robert Redford, right? <laughs> Early performance for Michael Madsen. Yeah, that's how nailed it. It, it yeah, that's the one. <laughs> they were developing it as a TV show, but then it um, they they kind of took it in another direction, and it became Nash Bridges. Oh, okay. Wow. That yeah, huh. that's quite the leap. But it worked for you know the format. It was a quantum leap, really. Mm, well, that's Scott Bakula, though. He never played Dracula. Scott Dracula. That would have been good. Come on, you'd have paid blood to it's see Bacula that. Dracula as Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> on stage. <laughs> Edward Gorey production of Dracula, starring Scott Bakula. Side by side, it's Bakula and Blackula. We need Scott Bakula as a guest programmer on TCM, where he presents Blackula and Dracula. Blackula. Okay. So... And that then he'll, be like that he'll lose it, and then it'll be, will, it'll be like the tagline will be, Bacula loses his cool, no? Blows his cool. That could work no? like that, that uh, Barnaby Jones, Barnabas Jones team up <laughs> that I thought about with Barnaby Jones and the Dark Shadows. That was, a, that, I Barnaby think. Barnaby and Barnabas. Jonathan Frid would have been down for that, I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Fritz the Cat. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Mm. I feel like my life is now going to be in two distinct parts. Life before I saw <laughs> Fritz the Cat, and now life post-seeing Fritz the Cat. Mm. Well, you know, if you look at what any of the more serious lists of, like, the best, most important animated movies that we've ever produced, Fritz the Cat is going to mm -hmm. be on it, because yeah. there's just nothing else was ever happened like it before. Right. Yeah, and, it's, and it inspired that. so much. You'll see people making arguments that we couldn't have had Family Guy without this happening first. Yeah, Simpsons, I, I don't all know anything adult-oriented animation mm -hmm. kind of stems from this. It's hard to, rem to remember that what animation was like before it, that it, there's, nobody was doing this in any kind of mainstream way anyway. You don't think there would be a heavy metal movie without Fritz the Cat? Was it's hard no, to say. I don't know. I think it would did, you know, because the, the magazine was So was this was the popular. first so of its kind animation style? Style? I don't think so. Okay. Because well, then I could see it perpetuating other animated films in that way. No, I think it spurred a lot of Because I did love the animation of it. Yeah. It reminds me, watching it again, especially in the opening scene with the construction workers, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the short animated film from the early 60s, The Hole. It won an Academy Award for Best Animated Short Subject. Dizzy Gillespie's one of the voices on it. And it's basically huh. two guys at a construction site 
and they're just ad-libbing. They're just having a conversation about the current state of politics or just life in general. And then they just animate it around that. And it very much reminds me in the opening scene because that feels very organic. Like them just sitting there mm. shooting the shit. There's a lot of scenes in Fritz the Cat and Nine Lives that there, are just very there are organic conversations. There's parts of Fritz the Cat that sound like they snuck a microphone in that's a shoebox exactly into a bar and just recorded people. That's what they, yeah. that's what they did. Yeah. There are a lot of scenes that are just, yes. they got a group of people and <laughs> recorded them having normal conversation. Yeah. I mean, the sound quality is terrible, but yeah, you get the point. I guess. It, works for the, it works for the film, though. Yeah. I think. Would there have been a heavy metal? I think so, because heavy metal magazine, I think, was already going by then. Oh, yeah. yeah for so, years. As was uh, uh, 2000 AD was already up a thing but to get somebody to give you a couple of million bucks to make an animated movie like that i don't think it would have happened otherwise no probably not i mean maybe you had to promise them you weren't going to do any cartoon animal nudity and that's how it got done you know what uh, you know what my favorite <laughs> bit in the entire movie was and like i only have like maybe two or three i just didn't really Mine's enjoy the, the movie at the end <laughs> um i knew that was the yeah. the bo diddley number uh, oh yeah transition mm -hmm. Just that, that, that animation of the, the crow dancing was just, uh, it was really mm. nice. It was very fluid. It was not like most of the rest of it. It was a fucking weird transition because it was like just that slow push of the next scene. But it was mm -hmm. enjoyable because the animation was so nice and it was Bo Diddley, so that was cool too. And, and you look at like something like right, American so... Pop years later, he was great with the music sources that he had. Like he would pay tribute to them almost in animation form. So he was great at those montage sequences, I think. Back she ever do music videos? Do we see one of the guys that got into that? I don't know. Didn't he do that AHA video? <laughs> Did he do that? I don't know. They were going to take him on, but they didn't want to pay his rates. Damn it. <laughs> Um, it does not appear that he did uh, he any. I, would, I didn't think so, but... He'd make a killing on Pornhub now. That's, it's kind of weird, though. If you look at Cool World, you would have thought, for sure, around that time at least, he would have been... People had grown up on films like Fritz the Cat and Heavy Traffic would have enlisted him in their music videos, but... See, I don't remember much about Cool World other than people ragging on it for being a ripoff of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But it wasn't, I don't though. See the, I don't see the comparison. No, it's just live it's action. It's apples and oranges. Fruit. Yeah, it is fruit. Yeah. That's enough. That's enough to draw a comparison, so. I did try to watch Cool World, I think, about three years ago, and I just, I couldn't get into it. Mm. I um, watched it when I was younger. I also do love that he worked on the Spider-Man TV series. I have to mention that. Yes. <laughs> Which is funny, because now that's yeah, a Disney that's property. A big deal. So. <laughs> yeah. No, because he, he was like pretty much the showrunner on the second and third season of that. Mm -hmm. That's probably my favorite incarnation of Spider-Man, actually. So, Joe, you liked the Bo Diddley number. Uh, Katie, your favorite part was the credits at the end because the movie had yes. finally over. Mm -hmm. uh, Nathan, did you Honestly, have something that jumped out at you? <laughs> that, that jumped out at me? I do me? like Besides the art of the movie. Jumping I do Joe want to Jacobson the third? What? <laughs> okay, I don't know. He's not paying attention, clearly, Joe. He's not paying attention. No, I just dug how it kind of inspired that midnight movie, um, you know, the potential of racier animated films. And as a kid, I mean, we'd all heard about this movie probably long before we saw it. Like it was the stuff of legend. Like, you know, you'd always have like a neighbor kid whose 
uncle had a copy and you you know in the attic basically yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and i remember reading like this my books that i always go for are reference books in terms of movies and there was this great cult movie book and i'll never be able to track it down i don't know um that i used to check out of the local library and they had this whole section devoted to fritz the cat and there was no video store in the area that had it but it totally would have been easy for me to rent that under the guise of it being animated or, you know, as a kid. But sadly, sure. the option wasn't there. And uh, You yeah. just made me really miss the idea of a card catalog. <laughs> Dewey Decimal System? Just going in there. Ah! So is next season, are we going to cover the, the sequel? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think so. He's like, no, thank you. No, I don't think the the sequel was nearly as important to the to the genre as this one. No, it was. But it was just apparently a better movie. Well, it, but it, I will a lot of people hate it though. They don't think Nathan it's a better having movie. Said what he said. I just I seem to enjoy the flow of it better. It's kind of like okay, Airplane Two, the sequel. It's not Zucker and Abrams. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a whole different beast. It's Ken Finkelman takes on the whole thing himself, and he pretty much replicates their style. And it's a fun movie. It's a it's a good little movie. But is it anywhere near as great as the first one? No. But I think it gets shit on because it's not the original creator. And it's not Bakshi's involvement in Nine Lives. He just wasn't interested. Well, Plus, that... He had a lot of other shit on the table that he was working on. All his projects took like two years to make. So Animation takes a long-ass time. Especially back then. No way around it. Do you think, too, with sequels that obviously come after films that are such heightened automatically have that stigma against them because they're never going to be the original even though they're still a decent film on their own they're not what the original was in the zeitgeist of cinema so that's why fritz the cat the second one it's like okay fritz the cat was yeah Mm -hmm. so and maybe with the other thing against the same thing is remakes too yeah Mm. Nine Lives was R-rated from the get-go. It wasn't X-rated. So okay. people will probably look at that like, I don't want to watch a soft sequel. Therefore, not as good. This watered-down Fritz the Cat. But it, it's... Imagine, it, it came totally out today, been in... there'd be like a hashtag, not my Fritz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. Like the not my Bond, the Daniel Craig website that was running years ago. Oh, it's probably still like there. I the <laughs> one for still the Diary of the Kid movies. Hmm? Where they uh, they changed the the actor for the Big Brother Roderick, and people were hashtagging "Not My Roderick" or something like that. That wasn't already um, a running hashtag. I don't think so. <laughs> what are you getting at, Nathan? I just think that's a great hashtag. Not my Roderick caught on more than the "Not My Broderick" hashtag for Broderick Crawford. Of course, okay. yeah. Or Matthew. Well, that's Broderick. when Ferris Bueller was popular. <laughs> yeah, everybody liked Matthew Broderick, <laughs> and they're like, "That's not my Broderick. I prefer Broderick Crawford." Not my Broderick. <laughs> the guy who First... was in all the president's men. I want him, not this <laughs> this dipshit from Max Dugan Returns. <laughs> Jennifer Grey was dirty dancing. Then with Matthew Broderick, she was dirty driving. Oi. <laughs> and with that, we'll wrap up this episode, everybody. Thanks Into for the listening. vault with you. Into the vault with you, Fritz the Cat. Into the Disney <laughs> vault. Catch you next time. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>
Thank you for listening. The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour is a production of Ghostcraft and is recorded live in Dallas, Texas. Please email your questions and comments to autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. This has been a Ghostcraft presentation.